Hi, I'm Pastor James, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church in Hillsborough, Oregon. Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. Our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so each weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please visit our website at www.isunrise.com, I-S-O-N-R-I-S-E.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you, grow along the journey of life with others, develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost, and then learn how to lead other people to know Jesus Christ. Now, on to our weekend message. Uh, my name's Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I get to oversee all the, the kind of the serve that we do here, um, a lot of the weekend stuff. So if someone greeted you on the way in, um, I get the joy and privilege of working with them. So it's a lot of fun. I've got a lot of great servants that work out there and, and give their lives away, understanding that there's a bigger thing to be accomplished here. So um, thank you. I want to start, uh, start the morning off by uh, getting right into the Word. So we're going to go to Matthew 25, and there's a, there's a chairback Bible there right in front. It'll be up on the screen. If not, I'll give you just a moment to flip there. Um, We're going to go to verse 14. Verse 14, we're going to the parable of the three servants this morning. We open up the word because we believe that God will reveal himself to us through the word and that we get to know God more as we open it up and we read read through it. We believe he'll speak to us. So today we got a kind of a story that's going to speak to all of us and where we're at in our journey with God and where how he's pursuing us and coming after us. So we're going to start in verse 14, all right, and then I'll pray. So again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used the money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why did you deposit my money in the bank. At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from his servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. 
Lord, I just uh, ask that you would come in here and you would fill this room. You would just meet us right where we're at this morning, wherever we come from. We could have been so many other places this morning, Lord. It's a beautiful day out and we're here. And so I just pray that you would speak to us. Whatever happened last night, whatever happened this morning, God, I believe, just allow us to give it to you. Whatever's been going on, Lord, allow us to give it to you. And just meet us, meet us right here, God, right in this place, right in this space, right in our heart, right in our soul, God. And just surrender it to you. And may you just allow us and grow us this morning, challenge us and stretch us and make us uncomfortable, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I was uh, growing in my, in my journey a lot, I was going through a big high spiritual growth moment and I was reading a lot of books. And one of the books I read was The Power of a Whisper by Bill Hybels. And I, it's because I really wanted to hear the voice of God. Like I was in a season where I'm like, I really want to hear the voice. People talk about hearing God. People say they can hear God. They say God told me this or that. And I'm like, I don't even know what that's like. So I might as well grab a book that says, that's talking about the power of hearing God and having the guts to respond. I was like, okay, that's for me. Like, that's what I want in this season of my life. And it had a lot of stories in it of uh, Bill and kind of having these in moments where he was leaning into God and having this dependence on God. And I don't remember all of it to this day because it was a while ago. But uh, it was all about hearing God. Hearing the whisper of God. Understanding God. Knowing God. And about a year and a half ago, I'd say I had one of those moments where I didn't really like what didn't understand how really God was trying to speak to me and how God was trying to say to me and what God was in pursuit of in my life. And it was it's, I was in the car on my way home when I got a uh, text message from my wife, Annie, and or it was a phone call. I don't even remember what it was. And I'm sure it was hands free, though. And. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it was, she told me that one of our friends' car had broken down and that it was, we weren't sure, like, I didn't know the condition of it or what, but we were, she was kind of concerned about it. And so immediately I had that thought go through my head. I go, well, you know, we got two cars and we could give one car away, which means we still have one. And I'm like, Ooh. and then all of a sudden that thought kind of fleed away and I was like, all right. It was good intentions though, like, right? And so I moved on and moved forward and didn't think about it again until a couple nights later when Annie brought it up in the conversation on a car ride back to our house and she goes, hey, I want to talk to you about something. And I go, what do you want to talk about? Well, you know, I think we should give the car away. And at this time, in this moment in time, technically we only own one car. The other one, my parents were letting us kind of use and with the intent to get, to give us, but basically we only owned one car. So it was the car that we owned that we were going to give away. And, uh, I go, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're not. It doesn't make sense. It's not smart. It's not practical. It's like, we need two cars. We need a car. We, we live 12 and a half miles from the church. I know we work together, but we're 12 and a half miles from the church. And we got in an argument. We kept, ar- and I argued with her the entire way. And luckily, home wasn't too far away. And I think we might have settled it out by the time we got home. But basically, it was, we kind of got in a fight. And so she let me go on my way. And I wrestled it out with God for a couple days. And I basically, I had to come to this conclusion. I was in a study and I was doing things and God was speaking. He was, he was saying, Taylor, are you going to trust me? Are you going to give it away? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to give it away. That's my car. 
that's my car. We need that. That's, it's, it makes life easier. Like, for Pete's sake, I'm not giving the car away. And so I keep wrestling it out with God, and I wrestle, and I wrestle, and I wrestle, and eventually I come to this conclusion, and I go, okay, my wife is right. She's always right. And that'll, yeah, that's funny. Because <laughs> it's true. And the only time I'm right is when I'm wrong, so. <laughs> uh, but no, my wife is very, she's a godly woman, and she knows a lot. And she knew what God was saying in that moment, in that time. And so I've told her, I said, okay, you're right. You're right. Like, let's do it. We're, let's give it away. And so we changed the oil in it. We signed the title over and we give it away. And the person is just blown away, blown away. We just got to love them. Just got to pursue them. But as I, as I wrestled out that moment with God and I looked at that back at that moment, I, I realized that God was in, in pursuit of me in that moment. God was, God was after me. And I was, he was after the way I was living my life. Not that I had like, that I was living a terrible life or anything like that. It was just, I was living my life with the hand closed. That's truly what I was doing. I was living my life like this. Like everything I own, everything I have, it's mine. It's mine. I earned it. I went to college. I did this. I put in the time. I did the work. I got to where I'm at in life. And I know it's not true, and I knew it wasn't true in the moment, but I sometimes want to live that way when God's like, everything is a gift from me. Are you going to live with an open hand? That car is mine. I gave it to you. He really did. We got it for free, basically. And now I want you to give it away. And so I had to spend this time wrestling it out with God, and God won, as he always does. But it wasn't about the person we gave it to. That's not what God was after. And it wasn't about our marriage and coming to alignment. I'm sure that was part, maybe a little bit, but it really wasn't about that. And it wasn't even about Annie. It wasn't about that the car wasn't even worth that much money or anything to start with. It was that God was in pursuit of me in the way I was living my life. That God was pursuing after me. He was chasing after me. And I go back to this book and I'm like, I want to hear the whisper of God. And I want to know what God sounds like. And he was yelling at me loud and clear. And I was like, no, that's not the whisper of God. <laughs> that's not how God talks. And he made me question. He's like, Taylor, are you going to live like this? Or are you going to live like this? You get to make the choice. And the question for you today is the very same question. Are you going to live like this? Or are you going to live like this? Are you going to live with a closed hand? Is it all yours? You earned it. You did it. You got it. Are you going to live with an open hand that says, man, everything's a gift from God. Everything's from God. It's his. He gave it in the first place. I might as well just give it away. Some of you are like, I don't know if I understand that terminology. So I'll switch it for you. And another way to say it is, what are you invested in in this life? What are you investing your life in? Were you invested in some basketball games last night? I was. You invested? I mean, come on, serious. We're fans. We can root, right? Or maybe, like, let's be a little bit more serious. Are you invested in your marriage? Are you invested in friendships? Are you invested in family? Like, what are you pouring your life off? Are you invested in some hobbies? Are you... You big hiker, golfer, motorcycle rider. What, what do you do? What are you invested in? I don't really know. Well, I'll tell you how you know. You look at your week ahead and there's 168 hours in it. And you get to pick and choose what you block those hours out for. And you're like, yep, I've got to work 40 of those hours. Maybe 50, maybe 60. I get that. Some of you are like, keep going. And I go, well, what are you invested in? Seriously. 
What are you invested in? What are you, what are you spending your time in? Because God has given us time and our treasures and our talents. He's given us that. He has given it to us. He has given it to us. And so we can talk about how to invest your time, but how, to, how about the invest, invest your treasures, your finances? Look at your budget, right? Look at the last month. What did you spend everything on? Look at the month ahead. What do you got budgeted out? What are you spending money on? I get we got bills. We got elect, electricity. We got food we got to put on the table. We've got important things. We got to fill our car with gas so we can get to work and back. I get it. There's things we got to pay it on. But what, what is the money going to outside of that? Like, what are you spending it on? I'm not saying it's bad to spend it on yourself. I'm just saying maybe, just maybe there's money to spend elsewhere. And maybe it's to live with, it, with an open hand for other people. Or what about your talents? What do people tell you you're good at? What do people say, man, you're really gifted at this. What gets you out of bed in the morning? What drives you? What's the passion that ignites inside of you that says today is worth living because of this, this, and this? Are you a critical thinker? Do you talk well? Maybe you're, maybe you're really good at telling jokes. Maybe you're really good at listening to people. Maybe you're really good about caring. Maybe you got all these things and God has wired you and made you this way. And it's like, what are you using them for? Are you, are you a good musician? Are you, are you using it on yourself? Are you, are you trying to advance yourself with the gifts and skills that you've been given to further ex- to climb the career ladder, to climb whatever ladder, the status ladder, the societal ladder, whatever ladder that is? Or are you investing that or putting it into something that's going to outlast yourself and people? It's a question we all have to answer. Like, what are we living for? What are we invested in? What are we investing our time, talents, and treasures in? What are we doing? You get get one life. One life. You don't get another chance. There ain't no coming back. One life. And how are you going to spend it? How are you going to live this life? How are you going to do that? There's no coming back. We like to think of now, but what about then? Like, seriously... We're going to die. We got an expiration date. And what are you going to do that outlasts yourself? And so as we kind of enter in today, we're talking about investment. And I love the translation that we used, the NLT earlier. It's like the parable of the three servants. And some use the parable of the the gold or the talents. But today I want to use the message as we continue to go back through the passage because it says it's a story about the investment. And that's what I believe is such a great example of where we are at today. An investment. Do you know God's invested in you? God is invested in each one of us. He has created us. He's invested in us. And we get that right off the beginning of the story. Jesus doesn't waste any time getting to that. He says, it's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one he gave $5,000, to another 2000 and to a third one 1000 depending on their abilities. Then he left right off. The first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same, but the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. What I think we overlook right off the get-go in the story is that the master, Jesus, is the one who's given them the dollars. It comes from him. It wasn't theirs. It started with him. He gave it to them. He invested in them. We're picking right off from last week. Picking right up. We talked, Pastor James talked about, are you ready? Last week we talked about, are you prepared? And this week we're going to talk about, are you faithful? 
So Jesus leaves. He comes back after a while and checks on his, his servants, how his people are doing, what he's investing in them. He's going, he's coming back, the second coming. And so as we look at this, it's saying it all comes from Jesus. Everything we have in this life while he's gone at this moment in time comes from him, comes from God. Everything, the way you're made. He didn't make any mistakes. He made you with all the quirks and personalities and everything. He made you. He didn't make any mistakes along the way. He said, this is the way your life's going to be. This is the career you're going to be. This is it. I gave you everything, the, the way you're gifted. It all comes from him. The money in our bank, the friends that we have, it all is a gift from him at the end of the day. And we've got to get around that mindset that it's, it's him. And then he, he talks about abilities in there. Abilities, which is always kind of crazy that he's saying, depending on their abilities is the way he handed out the dollars. He handed the dollars out to them on the basis of their abilities, which means like, what? wait, like the person who's naturally gifted at everything, they're just going to get more abilities. And the person that's not very good is going to get, you know, they're going to hide it. No. When he's talking about it, he gave it to them on the basis of their abilities. Abilities is synonymous for stewardship. It's another word for stewardship. And how well you steward what God gives you depends on really whether he's going to give you more. I'm not talking about getting more money or getting more talent. Or get, and it's not, that's not what it's about. It's about stewardship. It's about how well you steward what God has given you already. Are you investing it in something bigger than yourself? Are you investing it in the future? Are you investing it in eternity? Are you investing your lives in people? I'm not saying you're going to get more money if you invest your money correctly. Maybe in the stock market, yes. But if you are investing your money in eternal rewards, then you might, it might look a little different. Maybe you'll have more influence in people's lives. And so let's go look at the stewardship of each, each one here on our next passage. It says, after a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. He's like the MVP. He's like, killed the stewardship test. Boom, nailed it. He's like, he, he, gave him, he was given five and he went to work right away, it said, and he's, and he's already doubled it. He's got five more. This is the person that is like totally giving it all for Christ. And I think what happens though is we look at this and we look at it from, from a societal perspective and we go, yeah, that's the person I want to be. That's that, that's that person. They've been given this and this. And we see this from society because society shows us who the stars are in life. And it's like, that's who we want to be. But I would argue with you that this isn't the most popular person out there. This isn't the person with all these gifts and talents in the church. I would say that you see on the front stage all the time. That's not who this is. This person is probably one of the most humble God fearing people on, you know, and you don't know who they are because they're so humble. They will never tell you. That's who this person is. That's an eternal perspective. That's a kingdom perspective that you would never actually know who they are. You would never know the person with five talents. I mean, maybe you do, but they're not the one who's going to promote it. They're not the one who's going to share it because their mindset is on eternity. Their mindset is on the kingdom. They're giving everything away. They're constantly living with two hands open all the time. And so then as we move on, we got the second, second servant and he's, he's 2000 showed how he had doubled his master's investment. His master committed him, good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. This one's kind of interesting to me because if, if Jesus wanted to model what good stewardship and bad stewardship looked like, he would have probably just stayed with the guy with five talents and the one with one talent. That would have been the end of the story. He didn't need to bring the guy in with 2,000. 
So he puts this in there. It's like, why, why does this person matter so much? Where, why are they in the story, Jesus? Why, why does it matter? And I think this speaks to a lot of us in this room because I think a lot of the time, if we're honest and we're in this journey and we're walking through life, we feel like we're the person with two talents when we're following God. There's always someone up there, you know, it kind of feels like it's got more gifts and more talents and more of this that they're investing in the kingdom. You're like, God, if only I had more. And there's, there's someone behind you, you know, they have one talent. You're like, at least I'm saved. At least I'm a Christian. At least I'm this, you know, like, I mean, I think, I think we can get comparative sometimes, but I also think the most important thing to come out of this is that this guy had two talents and he was told the exact same thing as the guy with five talents, exact same thing. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. He gets the same exact phrase, exact celebration, exact praise. And I think God's just trying to tell us, and what Jesus is getting at, he's like, it doesn't matter how many talents you have. That's not the point of the story. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you steward what you have. You be the best with what you've been given. You give it all with everything you've got, right where you're at. If you're faithful in the small things, I'll provide. If you're faithful with what little I think you've been given, I will provide. I'll provide. I'll show up. If you're faithful where you're at. And so as we move to the third guy, servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have a high standards of standards and hate careless ways that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. Let's just get it out of the way. It was a terrible steward. It's terrible. It's all about him. But the biggest thing I noticed with him is why was he a terrible steward? Why was it? Because his understanding of who the master was was so far off. His interpretation, his, his relationship, it was off. It wasn't right. It wasn't correct because he says there's no allowances for error. I know you make no allowances for error. And I go, what happened to grace? Where was that in the picture, huh? Where was that? That this is... He had no concept of really what a relationship with Jesus was. A relationship with God. He didn't know. Didn't understand. So therefore he hides it. He plays it safe. He buries it. And so as we keep moving on. In our next verse it says he was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best. Why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least I would have gotten a little interest. It's actually true because back in the day, if you would have invested it, their guess is that it would have been about a 6% return over this amount of time, which is actually pretty good. That's a good investment. It would have accounted for the inflation rates at the time. But the reality is, is that this guy is living, this third servant is living with a fearful mindset. He's living in fear that God won't show up. That the master, you know. He's not living in faith. Are you living in fear? Or are you living in faith that God will show up? Are you living in fear that God doesn't exist? Where are you living? He lives with, an, uh, he lives with a scarcity mindset. That there might not be enough. That this talent I have, I, I don't want to lose it. I don't want to use it on anything else. Because what if it's, it's mine? It's mine. Or do you live with an abundance mentality that there's always enough to go around? That God is always has enough. You get to make that decision. 
And how do you know, really? Like, how do you know how you're living your life? Sometimes it's hard to, like, kind of reflect and, and figure out where we're at and what we're doing and how things are going. And so he, Jesus tells us in the next verse, it's real short and simple. He says, take the thousand and give it to the one who risks the most and get rid of this, play it safe, who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into the utter darkness. You play it safe in life when you, you look at your schedule, you look at your finances, and you look at your talents, and you realize that they serve one purpose, one person, and that's you. That's when you play it safe. That's when it's all about you in life. Because God doesn't call us to play it safe. God never calls us to play it safe. He never pushes. He pushes us to give it all. He pushes us to live big, dangerous, abundant lives. That's what God wants for us. Big and dangerous. Dependent on him. Resting in his embrace. Believing that he'll show up. It's uncomfortable. It's discomfort. It's not where we want to be, but that's where God wants us. He doesn't want us playing it safe. Because you only get one life. You only get one chance. He's like, I don't want you playing it safe in this life because there's so much at stake. There's so much more to go on than just this. It's, it's, it's one chance. It's like, yes, it's a car, Taylor, for Pete's sake. You got a, you got a lot to left in your life, I, I hope. And I don't want you worried about a stinking car. I want you living it for the kingdom. I want you living for a bigger purpose. I want you pursuing after people and influencing people. A stinking car? Come on. God wants to partner with us. It's like... He says it to each of the first two. Congratulations. Well done. You get to be my partner. You get to come alongside. You get to work with God. We talked about the relationship last week. It's like, man, now you get to work with God. It's like, how do you, how do you partner with God? How do you come along God, come along with God and influence and bring people into the kingdom and, and allow them to come in and, and get into their lives and show them who this, this wonderful, fantastic God who loves them is? And I'd say it's real simple. Like, it, it's not much. We overthink it sometimes. It's as simple as buying someone's coffee. It's buying the coffee cup. It's holding the door open. It's the, it's the little things. It's the little things. It's pursuing them. But then it's the big things. It's like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it away. I'm, gonna li- I'm just going to give my finances away because that's, that's the way God calls me to live. And there's always enough. And I'm going to give my time away. I'm going to go invest in this relationship. I'm going to go pour into this. I'm going to give it away. It's uncomfortable because I got this and I got a family. And I, 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 yeah, we've all got something. We got needs. We got things that I get that. But we got to give our life away. We got to give our finances away. We got to give our talents away for something bigger than ourselves. Because that's how the legacy of Christ continues on. I want to talk about kind of what we're doing here and how we've been talking about this build out here at Sunrise. We're talking about that tower storage area, tall place in the building. We're, we're making that the cafeteria kitchen that everyone's speaking about. We're adding 50, maybe 40 to 50 spots out here in the parking lot. We're adding, we got a lot of expansions going on over the next six to nine months, whenever it gets done. And it's going to cost a million dollars, roughly. And the reason we're doing this is so we can give it all away when we're done. Because that's what Sunrise Church does. We just give it all away. Everything is given, we just give it away. That's who we are. You know, this construction has been hard on us. It's been really hard, this expansion. We've had two killer ministries 
that have had to take a season of rest because of that. We've had a food pantry that would serve 40 to 70 clients a week. Every Thursday, they'd come in, and roughly anywhere in those numbers, we'd be serving people for, for a long time. We were giving them food. We were serving people, no, just loving them, no strings attached. That's what we were doing. We had a clothes closet where we were just handing out bags of clothes, and they were just loving on people. I mean, two awesome ministries that were pouring into the community. And because of all this construction, we've had to go to a season and say, hey, we can't do this right now. We've got to take a step back. God's calling us somewhere different. And it's hard because Sunrise has always been known for being in the community in terms of the clothes closet and the food pantry. And so as we take the season back, and it's, it's kind of uncomfortable because people are coming into, our, coming into our office and they're like, hey, I need food. And, and people are coming in, I need clothes. And we don't have room to store the clothes anymore. And we really don't have much room to store all the food anymore. So we've taken a season of rest in all those areas. And it's uncomfortable because we can't serve people and our hearts hurt because we can't. In the same way, so we recommend them places, we refer them to places, we help them how we can, we serve where we do, we do have some food. But because of this construction, it's put us in an uncomfortable place. It's put us in a lot of discomfort. We had to shut down one of our rooms where one of our group, a couple of our groups meet every week, and we've had to turn it into our emergency food bag program. So we said, we're still going to be in the community, but it's going to look a little different how we're serving in a food perspective. We still have the emergency food bag, it's like top-notch emergency food bags that are going on. But it's different. And it's meeting groups can't meet where they're at. And we're storing tables and chairs and rooms that never get stored there that are taking up space. And we've got to roll them out all the time. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's not how we like to do it. Because this building is already under enough pressure. If you've ever tried to reserve a room here for anything, it's like nearly impossible, it feels like sometimes. Because there's always stuff going on. Because we just open this place up. We say, come and use it. We have partnerships with people in the community who come and use this building already. That's important to us. Because we didn't, we didn't build this place, as, as Pastor Kevin was saying, he said they came up here and it was, it was nine years ago we moved into this building and it wasn't so that we could have a bigger auditorium to do a bigger service. That's the last thing that they wanted. That's the last thing that Sunrise Church wanted. We wanted a bigger building that we could give out to the community. We wanted a bigger building that we could serve more people. And so as we enter into the season, it's, it's forcing us to sit back. We have to kind of sit idle a little bit. We're serving in different ways in the community, but we're saying, hey, we we want to do something even bigger. We want to live even more dangerous. We want to live even more abundant. And when we get that done, we got ideas. We're like, man, where are you leading, God? Where are you going with this? Because we want to serve people. We We want to get in their lives. We don't want to just give away the food. We want to teach them how to cook the food. We want to have a relationship with these people. We don't want to just have a 90-day shelter and then we just and we let our homeless friends go. And I'm not saying we were going to do an all-year shelter. Don't hear that out of my mouth because my wife wouldn't like that. Um, but basically, we're gonna, we want to have a point where we can touch basis with them throughout the year. That we can invite them in and we can have a meal that goes on and, and touch with our homeless friends all the time. And bring in resources and bring in things to get them jobs, to get them... Housing in this tough community, this tough market right now. We just want a bigger space so we can, we, can, we can invite more people in and show them the love of Christ. Show them, why do you do what you do? Ask the question. It's like, because we love Jesus. Because we love Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ has given it all for us. He laid down his life for the church. And because he laid his life down for the church, we want to give everything away. The church should give itself away. If Jesus Christ goes to a cross and gives his life for this place, then we should obviously lay down our lives and serve the community and lay it open and open up the doors. And it's uncomfortable and it's dangerous. 
But that's what Christ did. That's what Christ modeled. And we're going to see that in Philippians. I see this in our next verse. It says, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. He was incredibly, it was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless death. Obedient death. And most, and the worst kind of death, that of a crucifixion. And as we keep going through it, it says, because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far above, beyond anyone or anything ever. So that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago, dead and buried, will bow and worship before this Jesus Christ and call out and praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. Jesus Christ humbled himself. Jesus Christ didn't have to, but he chose to be human. He chose to come down here and be human. He spent 33 years and died at this young age so he could give his life away for the church, give his life away so that we could come into communion with God, so that when he died, the ultimate sacrifice was paid and it was finished and we could come into this relationship with the Father. When he was here, he sat there and poured his life into 12 men, his disciples. He poured it out. He said, it's about you because I know that when I leave, you guys have to carry the legacy. You have to carry the mission. You have to carry... Out the word, the living word. You have to do it. It's you. If I pour my life into you, it'll go to everyone else. You will pour it out. You will start the church. You will carry the church on. The church will live forever. And I will, I'm going to cure people while I'm here. I'm going to heal the lame. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to pour, I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to pour my life out because it's not about me. He says there in scripture at one point, he says, I've come not to do my own will. He had, he had a will. He had a desire and it was not to live comfortable probably, to live comfortable. But instead he goes to the cross and he dies for the sins of the world because he came not to do his will, but the father's will. It wasn't about him. It was about God. It was about the mission. It was about other people coming to a relationship with Christ. That was way more important. And so some of you have been walking in here for a while. Some of you are brand new. Some of you have been here for just a couple weeks. And I get it. There's a, there's a serve card that sits there in the seat in front of you. And it, is the, it says serve on it. It's real hard. <laughs> and there's a lot of opportunities on there that you can find a way to get plugged in and connected. And it's a way to invest your time. And I know some people don't, you don't want to do that because it might, it, might, it might pull you down and make you committed to something. You can't get away and enjoy the Oregon summer of camping trips and fun. You, can't, you got sports commitments you got to be at. You've got a family. I get that. You got other things you want to go do on the weekend and have fun. I get that. I understand that. But what are you investing your life in, really? Like, what are you living your life for? What are you giving it out for? Is it about you or is it about the church that Jesus Christ died for? And I'm not saying it has to be here. It can be in the community where you're serving to. That's fine. But what are you living for? What are you investing and giving out? There's a lot of fun things to do. I, I want to go enjoy the Oregon summer. I want to go do that. That lasts three days on a weekend. And this lasts forever. And to go even further, I mean, we're going to have an offering today. We're going to come down here and we're going to have the offering team come down and they're going to pass the buckets by in front of you. And maybe some of you have been passing that bucket so well, you know exactly how to pass. And that's fine. That's great. 
But I'm going to tell you, like, what are you investing your treasures in? What are you giving your finances for? I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you. All right? Not because we need the money. We don't need the money. Hear my heart on that. We don't need the money. We don't care about the money. We don't even want the money. We want your heart. We want to lead you in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we want. That's our vision. That's why we do this every single... That's why we give the building out. But we understand that money is a barrier to growth. You might not be growing in your relationship if you're living with your money like this because Jesus talks about money more than anything else in the Bible. He does because he knows because money has our heart. And the more money we think we desire, the less of Jesus we actually need. The less dependent we have to be on Christ. The more, the more comfortable we can be with more money in our pocket. We don't have to be dependent on Christ showing up. And it's, it's kind of scary. It's, it's a little dangerous because Jesus, they ask, he asks us for 10%. He asks us for a tithe. That's what the Bible commands. 10%. And that's hard. And that's, that's, that's uncomfortable. That's dangerous. And Annie and I go on, we call it a journey because it's kind of, it is a little dangerous. It is a little bit. We kind of get in these moments where we're like, man, I wish we had a little bit more for the... Yeah, but where's God? God can show up this way. We go on an adventure and a journey with God and we walk with God and we know he's going to show up because he always has. He continues to pour his life. There's always enough when it comes to God. He's always given us enough and it's a little dangerous and it's a little scary. I'm not going to lie. I'll say that again and again and again because it is. It's uncomfortable and it stretches you. But that's where you grow in your relationship with Christ is when you live with it like this. And for some of you, there's... You got talents and you got gifts, a personality. God has, God has wired you certain ways. And I've had conversations with a couple of people that could say, Hey, you know, I love the opportunities you have, but none of them fit the way God has gifted me. And I go, Oh, okay. I mean, I can respect that. I get that. I get your gifted a different way. Well, I got, I got two things for you. One. Man, however you're gifted, I think you should, you should start up something. If you haven't think you, there's a need that you can fill, I'd love for you to start up a ministry. I'd love for you to start something up that serves others in that way. I'd love for you to do that. And you're gifting, because there's other people who are probably gifted like you. Or, two, here's my other thing for you. And I love you, and I care about you. But I don't think Jesus Christ's spiritual gift was dying on a cross. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. It wasn't something that fit into his shape. He didn't necessarily think that was going to be the most comfortable thing for him. But he still went and did it. And I would say the gift that you have is you have legs that work. You've got a heart that's beating. You've got air in your lungs. You've got a head that thinks. You can talk to people. You can stretch yourself and put you in uncomfortable spots that maybe you're not used to. I know people who put themselves in those spots and didn't realize they knew how to talk to people better than I did. And they were shy and they are quiet. I'm like, see... But you had to stretch yourself. You had to put yourself in the uncomfortableness. So what are you going to do? I mean, it's not, it's not about what your personality is made of. It's about understanding that it's a, it's a matter of being a servant. It's giving your life away for other people, even if it doesn't feel comfortable, even if it's not right. It's about investing your time and your talents and treasures in something that outlasts you. Investing in the kingdom, investing in eternity. And it's uncomfortable. And it's dangerous. But it's a big way to live. It's a huge way to live. When, I, when we gave away that car, I'll tell you what. God was so in pursuit of me because he's like, Taylor, I want to sh- teach you something. I want to show you something. Will you trust me? 
Will you trust me? Will you trust me, Taylor? There's always enough when it comes to me. There's always enough. There's always enough to go around. There's always the faith that I am going to show up. I always show up. It's just not the way you like it. It's not the way you planned it. And it's not the way you wanted it. But I will show up. I will show up. He's like, do you believe that? And then as he showed up in my life, and he continues to show up, I'll tell you what, he keeps loading on the talents, he keeps loading on things, he keeps giving me more to be overseen, which comes with more responsibility, to be honest with you. But God shows up, and he provides, and when I get in a tough financial spot or anything I'm worried about, he shows up. He always shows up. I try to provide my own way, no, 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 he shows up. Do you want God to show up? Do you want to hear the whisper? Probably not, but you should. Because it's a life that is dangerous. And it's big. And it's abundant. And it's crazy. And it's the only way to live. Because it gives you so much purpose in your life when you get out of bed in the morning. You're like, man, I'm on mission. I'm in partnering with Jesus today. I'm partnering with him. Because when you start looking at life through that perspective of a God perspective... Every moment matters. Every touch matters. Everything matters. And it's the only way to live. Because everything else is dead. <laughs> There's no life in it. It's short-lasted. It, it, it dies at some point. But this goes beyond us and into eternity. Will you trust Him? And so I'll leave you if the idea is, will you live in faith? That God is real? That God is there? Or you live in the fear that he doesn't exist? Will you live with abundance that there's always enough going around or scarcity that your needs might never be met? Will you live a safe life? Will you play it safe? Always consumed in yourself about you, number one. Or will you live a dangerous life that's always about other people and giving your life away? The ball's in your court. The ball's in your court, my friends. I love you, care about you, I do, but I know that this is the only way to live your life because anything else is just plain and safe and it's shallow and it ends fast. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for just being here this morning, just working, God. I know your heart, God, and it's, it's, you're passionately pursuing everyone in this room, whether they know it or not, God, you are in pursuit of them because that's how big and gracious of a God you are. <laughs> and you're like, man, you don't, you don't ask us to get it perfect. You don't ask us to get every detail right. But you show up. You always show up. You're always on time. You always are there when we need you and we need to depend on you. And you may call us into some uncomfortableness. You may call us into some dependency, but that's exactly where you want us, on our knees praying saying God show up I don't know if I'm going to make it if you don't show up and that is the exact place you want us God every day which is an uncomfortable way to live but it's a journey and it's it gives you purpose it gives us all purpose God so I just pray wherever we're at today in our walk and our journey just give us the nudge whatever that is just nudge us that way God live with that open hand not the closed hand God, I was always told that you can only bless an open hand. That's the only way you can receive the blessings of God is through an open hand. So I pray you would show that to everyone in here because you can't receive them with a closed hand. 
You can't receive the more with a closed hand, God. In Jesus' name, amen.